Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street uh, veteran analysts who have gone underground. We've changed our voices and uh, adopted secret identities so that we can bring you our semi-informed opinions but without well, in bias, your case, uninformed in my case, uh, about yeah. stocks, but without bias and without um, fear of Knowledge. being fired. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> which is our concern and why we're, you know, underground, undercover. Right, undercover. Uh, we remind everybody this is for entertainment purposes only and uh, for other caveats and warnings and uh, uh, other sinister uh, relationships that you ought to be aware of, like we might own all the stocks we're talking we about. We tend to. We tend to own Please them. visit our website at. Uh, thevaluguys.com. That's this, so informative. This week we're uh, going to look at the Value Line Investment Survey from September 28th, 2007. Yes, sir. Which has an unusual mix of we have telecom equipment and services, pharmacy services, cable TV, toiletries, auto parts. There's even some utilities. It's a little of everything. Um, I'm going to come back in the second half with some. Uh, Interesting bargains on three different, you know, uh, looking at three different themes in small and mid-cap. Yeah. Um, but first, I'm going to turn it over to uh, my feisty fellow fugitive. Good guy, Val man. Hughes. Where do you come up with this? Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Val Hughes. Thanks for listening in. This is kind of an odd – can you hear the echo? I was just going to tell the people. We have been uh, forced into a secret location, even more secret than our typical location – and it's you know uh, how sometimes we're in the cabin, right? Not we're in, today. Not today. Today we're in the bunker. <laughs> we're in the library with Colonel Mustard. No, we're, but we are in the library, and so there's signs all around us that say "Be quiet." Plus, we're trying to stay secret, and yet there's windows. So um, it's just an odd mix of things. So if you saw a couple guys in the library today just chatting, trying to look, you know. Uh, I guess, incognito, then that was us. With their studio-quality right. sure yeah. microphones. <laughs> anyway, okay, uh, this week, you know, there's a mix of some things we've looked at before. So I'm going to revisit a favorite area, um, telecom. So I'm looking at uh, three stocks, AT&T, page 719, Quest, 734, and Sprint Nextel, 735. Now, Quest and AT&T are, of course, both parts of the former AT&T, with Quest being the old yeah, U.S. Who's winning that battle? Uh, well, not the government, because basically they broke up AT&T and it spent uh, 20 years. Judge Green was his name, and they've spent 25 years maybe. I don't remember. 80, when did that all happen? 81 or something. No, 84. Unbelievable. I wasn't born yet. I don't know. I wrote a big report on it, actually. And uh, and managed to forget a lot since then. But basically, AT and T uh, was uh, you know a spin out. Uh, SBC was a, one of the regions of AT and T. AT and T broke up in order to pursue the computer business, which the government wasn't allowing them to do because of this perceived monopoly in telecom. So they broke up, put all the phone companies out there. There were seven regional bells, of which Q West was one of them, and uh, SBC was one of them. And um, and so uh, they wanted to pursue the computer business, bought NCR, didn't work. And they now have managed to go out of business but then get bought by one of their children. So, you know, it's all kind of worked out. They're kind of where they would have been anyway. But we've had this great competition. It's brought a lot of great services in telecom. And, of course, the fact that we're even t- you're hearing us is just a part of the revolution. 
uh, going on. Now, the reason I want to talk about these, uh, both AT&T and Quest and also Sprint is they're all in little different niches right now. Um, I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm, my vote here is, uh, you know, Q Q Quest, ticker Q, page 734. I think you should buy that one. Um, but on the other hand, it's a little bit risky compared to AT&T, which is the old SBC. Um, and what they're doing, of course, is they've got a couple really cool things going on, but I think it's in the stock. One is Uverse, where basically uh, they're going to provide a selection of cable television type offerings over the Internet, over fast DSL, and, uh, you know, compete with cable. They're doing this in Southern California right now. DSL speeds are getting to the point where this is feasible, and they're testing it, and this is coming. Meantime, I don't know if you noticed that, everyone, but, you know, AOL is going to become a portal for the ABC network. I think I was talking about the idea that Time Warner could be a portal, AOL can be a portal. That's happening, so the battle is moving. AT&T is uh, dead smack in the center of that with Uverse, and then they also are the exclusive companion to the iPhone, and uh, guess who's gaining a lot of share? The iPhone, um, and so they're going to get a lot of people uh, watching video for the first time on their phone, which basically, in my opinion, the iPhone is just the best wireless Internet. happens to be a phone and an MP3 player, great, but it's your best pocket Internet around, and AT&T is going to get a piece of that. Now, but it's seven times gross cash flow, 14 times uh, free cash flow, and uh, it's rated two by value line. I think that stock's been going straight up, so a lot of that's in the stock. Uh, the reason I bring up Sprint is that this... So you don't like it. Well, I like it, but I wouldn't buy it among these three. If someone says to you, you can't buy Quest or Sprint because of the debt and some of the risks, uh, AT&T is the safe, sure choice. Okay. So you're, get AT&T for your mom for the holidays, that kind of thing. But if you're just trying to make money... Three and a half percent yield. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But if you just want to make some dough, which we do, and you want to not overpay, we which is what so. Please we, send us some dough. Uh, what have you? Uh, that's that was Vern, by the way. Anyway, Quest. The reason I like Quest is uh, they've got a new CEO. It's the old U.S. West. They're in one of the parts of the country that's gaining population. They've kind of gotten rid of a lot of low-margin, low-RIA, ROI boondoggles they got involved with under the past CEO, and uh, they're kind of getting back like to their knitting. Oh, they tried everything. What, dog know. races? or No, just a lot of wild uh, telecom network services, uh, data services. They were, you well, know, I can't really tell wacky. you exactly. Well, it's, you know, I can't quote you right now on what they were doing, but I think they were involved in, uh, you know, television and some services that were a little far afield. You know, some of these guys started to get a little far afield, and um, these guys were uh, one of them. And they, you know, they lost money. They didn't do well. They, I think their chairman got in some trouble for stuff. Uh, they've been the troubled child of the old AT&T network, and, Actually, you know, well, I that's do. That's why we like them. Well, I do. They're a rebel. No, that we're, that's the past. Anyway, they're in a, a great area, uh, population growth-wise, the West. And uh, they're earning a good return now. They still have negative equity uh, from past errors. Yeah, back in 2002, they had some big write-offs of all these mistakes. That's where the stock plummeted from 66 was the old high back in 2000. It fell to 1 in 2002. I've been talking about it here on the show 
for uh, uh, probably almost a couple of years, and I'm staying with it because it's a turnaround. It continues to turn around. Even Value Line likes it now. I think this was on our first show. We like it. They're really starting to come around. They're paying some of the debt off. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of free cash flow here, four times gross cash flow, nine times free cash flow. They're depreciating their old plant finally, so they're throwing off a ton of cash relative to earnings, um, and that's interesting. And they're going to turn positive on uh, equity probably in the next few years, and they may do an offering. It's coming down pretty quickly, and I think that'll get more people interested. Um, now, the reason I mentioned Sprint Nextel, ticker S, by the way, so you have S and Q here, uh, which is a pretty rare thing, these single-digit uh, tickers. Sprint Nextel has their own edge, and so it's a little bit of a toss-up for me between the two. Sp- but I think Sprint, you know, Sprint's going head-up against AT&T right now in the terms of uh, in the wireless category and uh, they are counting on having the best wireless network. So actually, they benefit a little bit from iPhone and AT&T sale of the iPhone because if you take your iPhone into a Wi-Fi area, you know, it's apt to be sprints, and they're going to be in the leadership position with this product. And so that's their avenue of growth. Uh, But, you know, the reason to prefer it to Quest is they're actually earning their interest. They're making a little bit more money. They're trading at the same multiple as Quest, but uh, they're a little more profitable. Um, But I think they're going to run into a little problem with AT&T, and uh, you're seeing that in AT&T stock. I wouldn't bet against AT&T right now. So because of that, i got to like Quest. I'm reiterating, and I just want you to know I've done a little work today. Don't you think, Vern? A little work. Is that sweat? It could be. It could be. Well, I was jogging earlier. But, you know, the point is we've been on this. Stay with it. Quest, thank you very much. Whew. Okay. Now, here's another comparison. Uh, And I don't know if I've talked about these before, but we like wind at our back with the value, guys. There's no point in, you know, fighting and putting your head into a storm. And one of the things that's easy to know is happening is, of course, the aging of the population. As the population ages, uh, they spend more on health care. And so, actually, a lot of times you hear the problem of too much spending in health care. It's a lot of individuals getting older, like Vern and I, who, whether we want to or not, we're going to start spending more of our money on health care, just instead of, you know, uh, bar money or whatever. And um, that's going to show up in GDP. So people worry about it, but it's just individuals making choices, okay? So you have that wind at your back. Um, people who are in their 50s and 60s use three to four times as many pharmaceuticals as people that are younger, and that just shows up in the numbers. So I'm looking at Rite Aid, page 781. I want to contrast it with Longs, page 778. Now, the two winners in this space, Walgreens, the longtime champion of ROI, great company, always priced great. CVS kind of, you know, read the How to Be Like Walgreens book and became like Walgreens, did very well, recently bought Caremark. That stock's done great. And so they're not the values of the group. Longs is uh, primarily a West Coast company, and uh, ultimately, they're going to be bought. You know, they're trading right now, cash flow per share, 555, stock at 50. They're around nine times. Return on capital isn't great, but that's because the better 
capitalized and bigger companies with economies of scale are driving price structures and such with Medicare and Medicaid and healthcare providers that long cost structure isn't low enough to earn them kind of margins that Walgreens does or CVS does. And so, uh, you know, they're going to have perennially low margins. So their best value is probably to get acquired by CVS or Walgreens, plug into their systems, fire all their headquarters staff, and you get down the road. And I think that's a possibility with Longs. I've always been kind of a quiet fan of Longs, really, for a long time, uh, and think they're ultimately a buyout. So you could own that. And if you own it, don't sell it. But the thing I'm really drawn to is Rite Aid, R-A-D, page 781. Now, why? Well, first of all, they're they're hated, okay? They're at 5 bucks, down from 51 in 1999. So some things have gone, you know, not great for them. Uh, over this period, even though in 19, in, see, in 90, at the peak, they had 3,800 stores, they now have 5,100 stores. And basically what they've done is they've b- grown by acquisition, probably overpaid for things. They got into a lot of trouble along the way. I don't want to get into all of it because, thankfully, I don't remember a lot of it. But And it was messy. It's very messy. Some of the senior executives here were on on the dole and whatever. And I think several of them listen to our show every week Uh, as well. Well, they may, and we certainly respect them as people. But in the the angles of uh, legal issues, they had a lot of them at Rite Aid, and the stock, you know, kind of bottomed out at a buck seventy in two thousand two. And uh, there were a lot of losses during that period. Uh, And the company was bigger back then, so they divested a bunch of stuff. They owned PCS Health Systems for a while, which is a PBM. Caremark, you know, just got acquired by CVS. They divested it because they couldn't run it. It's been a badly run business. Their operating margins are 3%. You know, I didn't print out a Walgreens, but Long's is 5. I think Walgreens is probably 8 or 9. They're at the top of the class. And so the opportunity with Rite Aid is really this. Demographics, you know, the elderly don't care who owns the drugstore on their corner. You know what I mean? If you need a prescription, uh, you're going to go to the store that's near you. That's just the stats of it. And uh, as long as the prescription's free. Well, uh, you know, as long as they take all your cards and all that, and all these guys are in most all the plans now, so that's not the big issue. Um, and so what they have is locations. They've just bought, actually, the, the, the division that was part of Penny for a while, Eckert, uh, and they also bought something called uh, Brooks. And uh, the margins are under pressure because of that, but they've got low margins, 3.5%. All they have to do is take these economies of scale that they have, read the book, put out by either Walgreens or now CVS about how to run a drugstore company and, uh, you know, and figure this out because it's all about location and things like that, better leases, the kinds of things that a good manager could do here. In fact, their their drug sales are 64% of the business. That really is low margin stuff versus the front end. Longs, I notice, is 49% drugs, that's one way they could get more profitable, you know, improve the front end. That's where your margins are. Merchandising. I'm not even smart, and there's things I know they could do right now to to help this. So um, their cash flow is very good. They've got debt, but I think the value here is that they're trading at about five times gross cash flow. There's no CapEx, really. That's all in the lease expense. And uh, I think that the demographics will take in. No one likes it. It's... uh, you know, they're going to move toward a, a 5 6% operating margin over the next two years. That's the opportunity, Rite Aid, 
R-A-D. Am I out of time, or do I have any more? No, you're out of time. Okay, finally, Regis, R-G-S. I'm listen, sorry, you speak English? Listen to a past show, six times cash flow. Uh, it's a turnaround. Oh, stop, everyone. Down, on to, the way up. You know, wait for me because got okay. Got to hear this well, first. Check check the website. Maybe there'll <laughs> just be a private vow discussion of Regis mm-hmm. on the website. Okay, Regis, R-G-S. And now, with very uh, little ado, time for a beverage break. Um, oh yeah, okay, beverage break. Clink. Uh, that's all right. That's not too bad. Why don't you have glass? I have. Uh, I just have. Uh, I don't know. I have metal this week. Can I tell you? I'm not. I didn't even have a chance to drink. That's making me a little unhappy, <sighs> frankly. So, all right. Well, I'm let me introduce Vern Value. Good for you. Here no, you go. Thanks a lot. Okay. Wow. All right. I'm Thank really you. impressed. Touched even. Um, hello, everybody. I, my first idea <laughs> is that? my it's first radio theme, voice. My first. Hello, theme. everybody. Don't fall asleep now. My first theme is green. Um, and the stock is an auto parts company, Borg Warner, uh, supplier of highly engineered, well, give me a break, uh, powertrain products, okay? Um, now, value line lists, four-wheel and all-wheel drive transfer cases, manual automatic transmissions, clutches, and torque converters. So it's a lot of stuff, I mean, that's buried under the hood most of you have probably never seen in your life. Um, they, in their little write-up, you know, the text of the report on Borg Warner, they mention turbochargers, timing systems, and emission products. All three of those are interrelated and intimately involved in fuel efficiency and uh, the trade-offs in terms of emissions control. And so uh, one of the things they also benefit from, and they kind of touch on it here, but they don't make it clear that this is, um, this is a name that's particularly leveraged to uh, diesel engine penetration, and to the extent that uh, fuel costs continue to go up in the states, um, and as diesel engine performance has to improve to the point to where it's, you know, generally uh, in terms of uh, performance as perceived by the consumer, I think really basically the equal of a uh, gasoline engine if it's on the right car, especially if it's turbocharged, mm-hmm. um, is a, you know an interesting opportunity for them mm-hmm. if. You know, penetration should go up in the U.S., and I'm just reminded that earlier this week I heard that I think John Dingell had proposed some kind of legislation to, you know, it was under the guise of enough already, we need the money to do something. I'm not sure what it was, infrastructure repair maybe. I didn't and, see that. And proposed a 50 cent a gallon incre- incremental federal uh, excise tax of some kind, right? Good so. God. Back away, um, government. And and so it's a it's a green story. It's in a fuel efficiency and uh, engine efficiency and emission control story, which it, with a terrific track record of growth, and I believe mostly, if not entirely, organic. Um, yet the enterprise value to EBITDA multiple is only around eight. It's trading at about eight and a half times uh, projected 08 um, gross or yeah gross cash flow, it's more like 16 times free cash flow, uh, but they're investing to grow, which they have a tremendous, uh, a terrific track record of doing. Value lines looking for from 0406 to 10, you know their long term growth rate for cash flow 12 percent, earnings 14 percent. Oh, library, yeah, yeah, a little little li- little yeah. loud there. I got carried away. I like this story. Yeah. Um, so Value Line mentions that you know healthy demand for fuel efficient technologies is a main driver here, which it is. Uh, foreign operations, sixty percent of sales. There's the diesel leverage uh, reflected in the numbers. Um, four customers represent um, 
about 50% of, uh, almost 50% of sales, uh, GM, Ford, Volkswagen, Daimler, Chrysler, but it's a global business, so that would include international operations. A lot of talk here in the write-up about opening new plants, so I think hmm. a good, you know, good growth outlook, um, BWA. Check I have out. a question on that yeah. one. Are Go they ahead. working with the transplants? Yes, they are. What, how much of their business is with the transplants? I don't know. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Right. Like we caution everybody every week. We I think know, it's a fair question. You, you need to understand we may know absolutely nothing about the well, stock. Well, what's your guess, though? About. You're, you know about this kind of stuff. Um, Half or no? No, I don't. I, no? I really don't. Hmm. I, w- I would believe if you told me it was uh, uh, 60% of their business, I'd believe it. If you told me it was 30% of their business, I'd believe it. Hmm. Okay. Um in in North America or the U.S., which is forty percent of sales itself. So, remember, foreign is sixty percent. Yeah, right. Okay. So, um, my second one, or both of my next two ideas, are have a bit of a uh, statistical or uh, you know a slant to them. But uh, the first one's Alberto Culver. Yes, the shampoo people, beauty care products, Alberto Vo Five, Tresemme, FDS. Uh, Nexus, St. Ives, Swiss Formula, and Proline, all of that, uh, almost 90% of sales in 2006. They have 10%, which is food and household products. Mrs. Dash, that's some kind of seasoning, right? Uh, Static Guard, Sugar Twin, and Molly McButter. Um, 10% of sales. household items, brands. Family family owns uh, almost 20% of the company. There's speculation here by Value Line that they might consider selling that 10% piece, although it uh, generates free cash flow and helps them grow the uh, core beauty products business. There's apparently some kind of Scandinavian operation that they must have been, it must have been suggested to them that might be liquidated. So, you know, if they can sell those things for more than 11 times EBITDA, um, I, if if they have at least average profitability, they'd be doing pretty well because that's the valuation right now. If you uh, if you adjust for the fact that this is sort of a brand new company, they spun off their beauty supply distribution group on November sixteenth <laughs> of last year, and it was more than sixty percent of their actual fiscal two thousand six sales. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a much smaller company here today, um, according to Value Line sales per share. In 2007, 15 and a half bucks down from over $40 in Sally 06. Beauty, right? Yeah, right. I so it's a different business. And so the market cap now is only $2.4 billion. Net of a couple hundred uh, million of excess cash, really 2.2. And uh, Value Line's got all their numbers based on what, I mean, under the circumstances, has to be, you know, pretty heavily guided numbers. Given the split up, so. et cetera, and there wouldn't have been, you know, Just pro real, forma numbers. And yeah, stuff but, yeah, but you know, so they're probably kind of where management wants them to be. And uh, I'm looking at the dollar five earnings number and thinking that, you know, it probably ought to be at least a dollar fifteen up, you know, something like ten percent above that. That's the kind of cushion I'd look for if I were these guys that had just spun off the other piece. Um, then maybe uh, you know I'm almost the buck twenty they're looking for in '08, which should be more like a dollar forty or dollar forty-five if you can sustain the growth rate. And you probably want to do a little work here, but that really changes the valuation entirely. If I take the twenty-four dollar stock price that Value Line's showing, 
Um, I can knock off a couple dollars for my excess cash. So I really have a $22 stock. Um, I'm looking at $1.40 of earnings power in 2008, more like 15 times, and really a discount to the market, not the premium that Value Line is showing at the top of the page, $24 stock price, 21 times earnings, 18% premium to market. So hmm. I think um, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you, you want to consider the circumstances here. Um, and they specifically say in their write-up that there's, with all this cash, the company could buy back its stock. I pr would propose that that would be an additive exercise and gives me further support for the kind of analysis that we just did on the numbers. So Absolutely. check it out, ACV. I like it. Now, I also have a, a little bit of a similar kind of argument for Titan International. The symbol here is TWI with the idea that it probably has more earnings power than it's being uh, – given credit for in a stock that actually is already up a lot. This is, uh, if you're not familiar with this company, it's located in, uh, let's see, uh, Quincy, Illinois. I knew it was in the Midwest someplace. And, What's um, the name of the company? Uh, Titan, oh, Titan International. The chairman and CEO is Maurice Taylor, Jr. And this guy is, uh, well, I, let's just say he's eccentric. I don't want the guy mad at the value guys, but... Uh, he ran for president a couple elections ago or three really? elections ago. Yeah, funded it all himself. Did he win? I uh, he got like attention. you know like nine votes in a couple hmm. primaries or something and went home. I think, but um, very um, I think almost libertarian kind of uh, uh, political philosophy. Uh, the company might hmm. also be known Sounds to some good, people actually. because they were involved in a very long uh, or at least very contentious work action. Um, I don't remember any of the circumstances, or how long it lasted, but I just remember that it was uh, pretty shrill um, hmm. because he's just not going to put up with uh, people telling him how to run his company. Thank you very much. Um, officers and directors own almost 14% of the company, according to Value Line. And my angle here is uh, grain prices, basically, in the farm economy, because um, although Value Line really doesn't highlight it at all, um, unless I'm mistaken, this is the company that bought uh, Goodyear's farm tire business. And uh, there's some clues, actually, in the first paragraph that as Value Line has it written up. In the business description, they make wheels, tires, and assemblies for agricultural, earth-moving, and consumer markets. Okay, well, then in their little write-up, they say that in the quarter, um, earth-moving was $72 million, consumer was uh, $14, and agricultural grew 7%. Well, agricultural must be the difference. According to their table in the quarter, total revenue was 210. I take off the 87, right? I'm over 120 million, well over half of the business is farm tires, which are up only 7% right now. But if you've been paying attention to what's going on in that market, sales have been starting to apparently accelerate and uh, deer stock prices through the roof. Um, they, uh, they've Seen their, they've seen estimates lowered, so the stock is um, um, around $29, down from 35 earlier this year. But apparently the reduction's due to a change in tax rate. I don't know why we'd really care about that. And uh, besides the angle on the farm space, the um, company has announced that they're going to make some of these giant tires, the things that are like, uh, you know, as tall as a garage or bigger that uh, go on the largest mining trucks that are used in the... Uh, Canadian oil sands and uh, in uh, Chile to mine copper and other places around the world, a market that really has been booming and has a lot of visibility. Well, somehow the tire to. business got much better than it used to be, and I guess that probably has to do with people being willing to shut down capacity and not well, give away tires. Well, there was a tires. lot of pain inflicted in this industry. Um, 
two, it mentions here that uh, only two companies today, Michelin and Bridgestone, build these giant tires. So uh, less competition, I think. There's a better, there's an interesting margin opportunity there. Uh, Value Line, I, you know, is not really showing a lot of growth here in their projections. I kind of wonder if they're not being a little too conservative because of the, what, the highly cyclical nature of the business, the fact that the stock was, I think, you know, close to zero on a split-adjusted basis as recently as 2003, under a dollar. They're showing growth at, you know, kind of like 10% level going forward. Um, Enterprise value EBITDA is under 10. Actually, it's under 9.5. It's about 11 times gross cash flow, but I think their numbers are too low. Um, I think there's a, you know, a valuation here that – um, looks pretty steep and isn't. The top of the page is really kind of off. The $29 stock price, Value Line says, is 35 times earnings and almost twice a market multiple. But they're basing that on a number, I think the 45 cent number they have for 07. Earnings in 08, their number, which we think is probably too, I think is probably too low, of $1.60, you get much more like an 18 multiple, which is if 35 is twice the market, 18 is equal to the market multiple. So it looks like I have something here that might be right in front of some major acceleration on the top line that is not being picked up in these numbers. And even these numbers, it doesn't look terribly expensive. I think with, uh, you know, better than this kind of, you know, if this is anywhere near consensus outlook, um, you could see a lot of upside in TWI, riskier looking name. Do, uh, you know, we always warn, do a little homework. This company, uh, 40% debt to cap. Um, market cap under a billion dollars, so uh, you know a small cap always a little more volatile, uh, and that's uh, that's it from uh, that's oh, it from Vern this week. Cool. Okay. Um, I think we'll probably say that our favorite idea is uh, um, I, it might be Alberto Culver with uh, the discount instead of a premium argument. I'm going to say Rite Aid R A D. That's Val Hughes. And thanks everybody for joining this week, and uh, we'll be back next week uh, with uh, you know maybe another idea or two. Bye everyone.